0: Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. The Bible says, but I fear. Lest by any means that is the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, even so your minds should be corrupted from the, what's that next word? Simplicity. Yeah, everybody say simplicity. simplicity. Yeah, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, for our primary text in Matthew 22, Jesus says this Love the Lord. Your God. Everybody say, love God. God. Everybody say, "Love love God. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set things up by sharing this with you. A few weeks back, I sat down at my desk to do an internet search on my computer. And as is the norm, I immediately went to the search engine, Google. How many of you have ever heard of Google? Yeah, who hasn't, right? At any rate, as I hit Google's landing page, a thought hit me. And that thought was this. I have always, always used Google to do my internet searches. In fact, I was thinking back on, on when, first, when search engines first emerged onto the web. You know, there was, there was Google, there was AOL, there was Yahoo, and a half a dozen others. But for some reason, my mind always went to Google. And so do most people. In fact, I did a little research this week, and here's what I found out. All the other search engines receive about 500 million searches a day. But are you ready for this? Google, on the other hand, receives... excuse me, 4.5 billion searches every day. And so, folks, that got me wondering, you know, what is it about Google that attracts me to it and billions of, of, of other people? What did Google do to their website early on that caused so many people to be attracted to Google? Here's what Google did. You ready for this? They simplified their website. In fact, take a look. It's just the name Google and a simple empty space to type in the search. That's it. It's that simple. All of the other website search engines, on the other hand, like Yahoo and AOL, when you look at their websites, folks, they are cluttered. (laughs) Everybody say cluttered. Everybody say cluttered. Yeah, they're cluttered with ads. They're cluttered with politics. They're cluttered with news. They're cluttered with random information. And so what happened was most people pushed back from all of that clutter, and they were drawn to the simplicity of Google. And here's why. Simplicity brings clarity. Oh, here's what I do. (laughs) Clutter, on the other hand, brings confusion. You look at all the clutter and go, what am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Where do I write? Where do I type? You see, did you know, by the way, did you know that your mind has to burn calories to sort through clutter and to figure out confusion. Let me say that again. Your brain has to burn calories to sort through clutter and figure out confusion. And your mind will only do that for so long until your mind becomes fatigued. Or else, or else, your mind finds simplicity. You see, Google realized early on that simplicity rules. Because simplicity creates clarity. And let me tell you something people in this world long for clarity. People are saying, can somebody take away all the clutter in my life and simplify my life? Can somebody take away all of the clutter in my world and can somebody simplify my world? And Google recognized that early on, and that's why people are so drawn to it. They're drawn to the simplicity of it. Now, let me turn a corner and bring that over to our series called Simplify. Because what an image of the goal that we want to accomplish in this series. You see, folks, as we kick off a brand new year, 2019, we want to help you take away some of the clutter in your life, and we want to simplify your life. We want to simplify your budget. We want to simplify your purpose. We want to simplify your relationships. We want to bring simplicity to your life. And folks, here's what I love about the text that we're going to look at today. In fact, here's my proposition. Listen to this. This is so good. In Matthew chapter 22... Jesus simplifies what God wants from us. Let me say that again. In Matthew 22, Jesus simplifies what God wants from you and what God wants from me. Have you ever wondered, you know, what does God want from me? You know, what does God want from my life? Because think about it. When you look at the Bible, it is just jam-packed with commands from God, with demands from God, don't do this, you're supposed to do that, be sure you don't do that, be sure you don't do this. And sometimes we can look at all of that in the Bible and listen, listen, it can feel cluttered. And we can get confused. What what does God want me to do? (laughs) Well, here's what I love. In Matthew 22, Jesus does a Google for us. And he simplifies what God wants from you and me. He simplifies it to one great command. There's a second lesser command. But Jesus simplifies it down to to one command. He's basically saying, if you want to know what God wants from you, this is really all God wants from you. Now, you might be saying, well, Rick, what is it that God wants from me? What does he want from my life? Well, here it is. How many of you have your listening guide at all of our campuses? Wave those in the air. I hope you'll take notes on this because this is so fundamental to our life. So number one, if you're filling in the blanks, what does God want from you? Here it is. It's this simple. God wants you to what? To love him. That's it. It's it's Google. It's it's that simple. He just wants you to love him. Now, with that in mind, let's pick up the narrative in Matthew chapter 22. I want you to follow with your eyes as I read. It will be on the screen. The Bible says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, just so you know, the Sadducees were a religious group, and these are the religious leaders. These are the guys wearing the religious robes and the hats and all of that kind of garb. Those were the Sadducees. Jesus had silenced them. They were trying to trick Jesus. So, seeing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So, this is another religious group with their hats and their robes, and they want to put Jesus in his place. They want to trick him. They want to back him into a corner. They want to ask him something that he can't answer. So, watch what happens. One of them, that is one of these religious leaders, an expert in the law, that would be in the Old Testament, in the commandments of God, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus doesn't miss a beat. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch verse 40. All. Everybody say all. all. Yeah. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everybody heads up. Because the phrase, all the law and the prophet, was simply a way of saying all the Bible. Specifically, all the Old Testament. And so Jesus g- grabs all of the Bible with all of its commands, with all of its demands, with all that God wants from you and me, and he simplifies it to two commandments. And he says the first commandment of those two is the greatest. Here it is. Verse 37. Love the Lord your God. Everybody say, love God. God. Everybody say, "Love love God. Yeah, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now stop there. Because when Jesus said that, that shocked all these religious leaders. When Jesus says, what God wants from you is to love him, that shocked them because the religious leaders expected Jesus to say, what God wants from you is for you to obey him. That's what they thought he would say. What God wants from you is for you to worship him. What God wants for you is for you to serve him. What God wants from you more than anything is for you to give to him. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, let me simplify this. All God really wants for, from you is for you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's that simple. In fact, write this down as A and B. God created you to love him. Now, folks, this is a game changer because when God Made the decision to bring you into the, to this world. When God made the decision to give you life, listen, He had only one simplifying goal, and that was to love you and for you to love Him. That's it. It's that simple. In other words, listen, serving God, obeying God, worshiping God, giving to God, those are simply the results of loving God. Amen. Or put another way, those are the symptoms. Those are the symptoms that you love God. Those are the side effects that you love Him. But don't miss this, folks. This is spectacular. All God wants from you is for you to love Him. But don't miss it. He doesn't ask you to love Him. This is a commandment. He commands you to love Him, but here's why. Write this down as B. Loving God... Is your highest success? There's a word we use, you hear a lot, is it? Success. This is your greatest success. Now, now, bear with me because we live in a culture that is obsessed with success, don't we? And success is measured by money, power, and stuff. And not just stuff, your stuff needs to have the right emblem on it. Got to have the right, you know, name on it. And the more money you have and the more stuff you have with the right name on it and the more power you have, our culture says the more successful you are. Jesus says, scratch all of that. The greatest success that you can have in life is to live your life loving God. That's the highest success a human being can ever have. Let me say it again. The highest success that you can have in your life is to live your life loving God. And here's why it's because there's nothing higher than God. Isaiah, when he saw God, he said this He said, I saw the Lord. By the way, when you see the, the, the name Lord in all capital letters like that, that means it's not God's name Yahweh, it is God's name Adonai, which means the almighty God. I, I, Isaiah says, I saw Adonai, I saw the, 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 the mighty God, and, and what's the next word? Ah. High. <laughs> and lifted up. Amen. You say, meaning what? Meaning, if you, could, if you could see God in all of his glory, and you could somehow look over God, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing higher. So any any success you pursue other than God is a lower, much lower success. Now, folks, here's the point. God gives you a shot at achieving the highest success in life, which he tells us is to love him. And God wants that so much for you that he doesn't ask you to do it. He says, come on, I'm commanding you to do this because there's nothing higher that you could do with your life. Now, think about it, folks. God could have said, you know what? I'm not going to allow those mere mortals down there to get emotionally connected to me. He could have said, you know, know, I'll allow them to obey me, I'll allow them to worship me, I'll allow them to serve me, I'll I'll allow them to give to, to me, but I'm not going to get involved with them emotionally. I'm not going to allow them to feel love for me, and I'm certainly not going to allow myself to feel love for them. God could have said that. But you see, here's what you need to understand. This is so important. There is something about you. And let me make this personal. I could say everybody. But I want you to, it, it, there's something about you. And I don't care who, how bad you may think you are or what you've done. There is something about you, you, that makes God feel love for you. And not only that, there is something about you that makes God want you to feel love for Him. Folks, that's amazing. It's something for God to say, you know, I feel love for you. But it's another thing for God to say, I want you to feel love for me. That God would even desire that. But God says that is your highest success. And again, God wants that so much to you that he says, I'm not asking you to feel love for me. I'm commanding you to feel love for me. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Rick, you can't make yourself feel love for God. You can't make yourself feel love for anybody. You can't force yourself to do that. You just can't. And I get that. So here's what you need to, to realize. Write this down as number two. You love God from the inside. inside out. How many of you remember that old song we used to sing, Inside Out? How many of you remember that? From the inside out, from the inside out, Lord, my heart cries out. You remember that? That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, Love the Lord your God, watch this, with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, folks, I love that. Because Jesus is digging deep into your person. He's going to the very core. He's going down into your heart, down into your soul, and down into your mind. You say, why? Here's why. That's where your love for God comes from. It comes out of your heart, it comes out of your soul, it comes out of your mind. It's an inside thing, it's an inside job. It comes from your heart, soul, and mind. But here's what you need to know about that. Again, it's, it's, this is where you feel love from God. It, you feel it from the inside. But here's what you need to know, write this down as A, under number two. Clutter. Everybody say clutter. clutter. Yeah, clutter within stifles your feelings of love for God it stifles it in fact listen to what Jesus says in mark chapter 7 listen to this for it is from where within. yeah and again this is an inside job it is from within out of a person's digging deep again to watch this out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come In other words, all those evil thoughts, they're on the inside. Here they are. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. Boy, this is specific. Envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils... (laughs) All of these evils come from the inside and they defile a person. Now stop there. Because what Jesus is saying is all of these sins clutter you on the inside. And they defile you to the point that you just can't feel love for God. You just can't feel it. So here's what we need to understand. Write this down as B. Loving God demands a clutter-free inside. You need a clutter-free zone on the inside. Specifically, the three areas that we need to unclutter, declutter. Write them down as one, two, and three. So important. Number one, declutter your what? Heart. Your heart. Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart. i thinking caps on because when the word, the word heart there, by the way, is a translation of the Greek word cardia. It's where we get cardiology from. I always tell you, your Bible is originally written in Koine Greek in the New Testament translated into English, Spanish, French, whatever. But that word heart, cardia, from which we get cardiology, but when the Greeks used the word cardio, when they used the word heart, they weren't thinking about like a cardiologist, they weren't thinking of that, that muscle inside of your chest. No, for the Greeks, when they said the word heart, they were referring to that to that intangible intangible part of your person that can feel love for somebody. In fact, we, we say to this day, I love you with all of my what? Heart. All of my heart. And, and folks, here's the point. It's in your heart, listen, it's in your heart that you feel love for God. But here's the rub. When your heart is cluttered with sins like lewdness and adultery and immorality, sexual immorality and greed and malice that defiles your heart and it it chokes out your capacity to love God. When your heart is filled with all of those evils and it's cluttered with all of that, what it does is it stifles your heart's ability to feel love. Again, it's in your heart. God, I love you with all my heart. But it's in your heart. If your heart is cluttered with sin, you're not going to feel that. You're just not going to feel it. So you might be saying, well, Rick, how do I declutter these sinful habits that I have? How do I get that out? How do I declutter my heart and get these sins out? Well, everybody listen up. Because getting rid of sin is complicated. You want to get rid of sin? Here's how you do it. You ready? Stop sinning. It's not complicated, is it? Just stop it. The Bible says, let him that steals, steal no more. In other words, if you've got a habit of stealing, you don't need a pep talk. You don't need a bunch of psycho babble. Just stop stealing. If you're lusting, stop lusting. If you've got malice, stop hating. If you're greedy, stop. Just stop it. For the love of God. Maybe that's the way of saying it. For the love of, yeah, for the love of God. Stop sinning. Everybody say, for the love of God. Everybody say, for the love of God, stop sinning. Resolve as you start this new year. I'm just going to quit. And if you'll resolve to do that, God will help you. If you just say, God, I'm done with that. I, For your love, for the love of you, God, I'm stopping that. Secondly, declutter your soul. We don't hear a lot of talk about the soul anymore, do we? But Jesus talked about it a lot. So does the the whole Bible. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your what? Your soul. God has a lot to say about our soul. The Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside Still waters, he restores my soul. Everybody say soul. Soul. Everybody say soul. Soul. Now what is your soul? Well, the word soul there, Hebrew in the Old Testament, is Nefesh. And it is a bit complicated. But to simplify it, your soul is that dimension of your person that makes you God aware. That makes you God conscious. It's that part of you that says there is a God. You see, even if you're an evolutionist today, even if you're an atheist today, there's something in you that says, no, there's a God. You know it because the complexity and the wonder of creation screams there's a creator, screams there's a God. That's your soul talking to you. The Bible says when God made man, he created him a living soul. You're God conscious. The animals he didn't create with the soul. Animals do not have the, the capacity to be aware of God. You do. You have the capacity to be aware of God. And here's the point. Listen, this is so simple. But here it is. This is the simplicity of it. To feel love for God, you have to be aware of him. Duh, right? To feel love for God, you've got to be God conscious. And that happens in your life. Soul. But here's what you need to know. For your soul to be aware of God's presence, it needs stillness. That's why the Bible says He leads me beside still waters, He makes me lay lay down in green pastures. God Himself says, Be still and know that I am God. Transverse, if you're never still, you'll never be aware of God's presence. Wouldn't it be great to start your day by being still and to go out and face the day aware that God's presence is with you all day long? You see, the problem is, is we, we wake up and we turn on all the gadgets and the, and the noise just starts going. In our head, it's visual, it's the news on TV, it's our iPhone, we can't get our face away from it. We don't have any solitude. It's always noise, 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 noise. You know, there was a day when noise was considered a nuisance. Today, we live in a culture that says quiet is a nuisance. People can't stand it. Little wonder our souls are not healthy. Little wonder our souls are not well He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. You know, every every night you take your phone and to restore it, to recharge it, you make it lay down, don't you? Soul, or phone, you got to be still. And you plug it in. And you wake up the next morning and it's charged. It's ready to go. Your soul is the same way. Your soul needs to be quiet before God so that your soul becomes aware that as I head into this day, God's presence will be all around me. He'll be with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. How is it with your soul? Turn to your neighbor and say, how is it with your soul? soul? Maybe we we should start greeting each other. Hey, brother, how is it with your soul? Rick, how is it with your soul? (laughs) You remember that old song? It is well. With my soul. In fact, let's stand and sing that song. Would you? I've, I've asked the band to come out and help me. Some of you know this old song. It is well with my soul. Give you a stand, chance to stretch out. It goes like this. When peace like a river attended. Someway, sometimes life's like peaceful, like a river. Sometimes, some days, we face a lot of sorrows like sea billows. But whatever my lot, good or bad, thou hast taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Lift it up to God like you mean it. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And all God's people said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, is it well with your soul? We're going to get well with our souls. You can grab a seat. Declutter your heart. Declutter your soul. Number three, declutter your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Listen. Your mind is that theater where you contemplate God. Put another way, your mind is that place where you know God intellectually and intimately. Think about it your heart is where you feel love for God, your soul is where you're aware of God's presence, and your mind is where you know Him. Again, intellectually. And personally, here's the problem: our minds are so cluttered that it's little wonder we don't know God. And can I tell you something? I, I think I've kind of experienced the older you get, the more cluttered your head gets, right? And it's because you've just got you've got all of these synapses going on of memories, and you can be walking along, and the older you get, there's more thoughts up there, and it just clutters your brain. To the point that your brain is cluttered with fear, it's cluttered with regrets, it's cluttered with anxieties, it's cluttered with worries, it's cluttered with guilt, it's cluttered with shame. To the point that, that we know guilt, we know fear, we know anxiety, but we don't know our God because it's just too noisy up here. You ever feel like your brain just won't stop? It's just too noisy. It's just too cluttered. So, what do we do? Here's what you do write this down as number three, and I'm about finished. Fill your mind with God's love for you. Now, you might be saying, wait, wait, wait a minute, Rick. The commandment is about. Me loving God, not God loving me. You might be saying, "Oh, wait a minute, Rick, you're off track. You know, God's loving me, God's love for me has nothing to do with my love for God. Eh, <laughs> wrong. God's love for you has everything to do with your love for him. In fact, just to be sure you get it, write this down as A. God's love for you is what lifts your love for Him. Everybody watch this. Let me say that again. God's love for you is what lifts your love for God. Just to make sure you don't miss it, write this down as B. You can't love God until you first know He loves you. Let me say that again. You can't really love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind until you first know that God loves you with everything he has. That's why why the Bible says in 1 John 4, it says, we love him. We feel love for God. Here's the key word, because he first loved us. In other words, folks, There's something that causes us to feel love for God. And what is it that causes us to feel love for God? It's God's love for us. God's love for you is what fuels your love for God. God's love for you, let me say it again, is what lifts your love for God. Remember we said just a few moments ago, How can you force yourself to love somebody, to feel love? You can't. Think about it like this. If I take this balloon, and I want it to lift up, and I fill it it full of Rick Blackwood hot air. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that sounds about right. But anyway, I fill it full of Rick Blackwood air. Watch this. Things are hard to tie, let me tell you I've been doing this, all the services, got it So, now, if I want this to rise, watch what happens It won't do it Grab that for me, brother So what do I have to continually do? <laughs> when props grow straight. Alright, listen What do I continuously have to do? I have to bump it up, don't I? You know, I, I want my balloon to stay up I gotta, I gotta keep bumping what, Watch what happens, down it goes Listen, what an image of what what happens when we try to love God just out of our own energy. you always be doing this. God, it's time to love you. It's Sunday. It's Saturday night. God, time to bump up my love for you. Because God, all all week is doing that. Back to the balloons. What if I take a balloon like this, and rather than filling it with Rick Blackwood... Or just air. What if I fill it with helium? Right? Now watch the difference. If I can get it through there. Yay. Now watch what happens. I don't have to bump it up. It goes up on its own. Why? Because the helium within causes it to rise up Of its own accord. No bumping, no tapping. Now, folks, what an image of what happens. You see, listen, here's the point. When you fill your mind with God's love for you, here's what happens it fills your heart with love for God. You don't have to force it. When you fill your mind, look what God has done for me. Look how he has shown me his love and his compassion. As you fill your mind with that, all of the worries and fears and clutter begin to dissipate. And what happens is it begins to fill your heart with love for God. And you don't have to force it. You're like, God, of course I love you. God, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind because, God, look how you have loved me. When you fill your mind with that, It fills your heart with love for him. And it just rises on its own. Let me show you this from the life of David. David the prophet said this. This is what he said, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Love the Lord. Oh, my, what? My soul. And all my inmost being... Praise his holy name. Now, folks, I love that because David's talking to his soul. And it's like he's saying, come on, soul, love God. He's trying to bump it up like the balloon. Come on, soul, come on, heart, come on everything within me. Love God, love God. But then he stops talking to his soul, and he starts talking to his mind. And he says this in verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Here comes the talk to the mind. And forget not all his what? His benefits. David's saying, I want to praise God. And to do that, I need to remember all of his benefits, all of his love, all of his compassion. So David just starts filling his mind with all God's love. Watch this. He says, who forgives all your sins. God loves you so much that he forgives anything you've ever done. I don't care what you've done. Name it. Claim it. He forgives it. You say, what about the unpardonable sin? Listen, here's how you know you've not committed the unpardonable sin. You want forgiveness. As long as you want forgiveness, you know you've never committed the unpardonable sin. When a person's committed the unpardonable sin, they don't want anything to do with God, forgiveness. They could care less. So if you're here today, (laughs) you've not committed the unpardonable sin because you came. Because you're still searching for God, even if you're lost. So it doesn't matter what you've done. God says, I love you so much, I'll forgive everything you've done. I love this, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Did you know that every disease that you are healed from is God who did it? it is God who, who created and designed your body so that it is, has the capacity to heal itself? That's amazing in and of itself. And any physician who, who knows how to heal you or who's invented some technology, God gave that physician, he, he may not know it, that scientist, the ability to create that technology and to use it. So God's behind every healing. Ultimately, he will heal us and give us a new body. And then he says this, who redeems your life from the pit. Anybody feel like they're in the pit today? God says, I love you so much, I don't want you in the pit. By the way, the ultimate pit would be hell, wouldn't it? He says, I don't want you in a pit here, and I certainly don't want you in the pit there. But here's my favorite part. Who redeems your life from the pit and who, what's that next word? Crowns. You. (laughs) With love and compassion, folks, could God have been, been any more explicit? God doesn't just say, oh, I love you. Oh, I have compassion on you. God says, no, no, no. I crown you every day with my love, and I crown you with compassion. Let me show you a picture of this. Give you a little image of this. Dee, Dee could you stand up just for a moment? Turn around. Every day, God says to Dee before she goes out, Dee, I don't just love you. I crown you like a princess of my love. You wear the crown of my love, my compassion, and my tender mercies. Chad, would you stand up just for a moment? Every day when Chad wakes up, God says, Chad, I don't just love you. And I don't just have mercy on you. My mercies are new every day, Chad. No matter what you do, my mercies are renewed every day. And Chad, I crown you with my love. And I crown you. How how picturesque could God make this for us? You could have a seat. Listen, they look pretty good with those crowns, don't they? Listen, let me tell you something. Since a couple of weeks when I started looking into this, every morning, I've been waking up and saying, "God, you don't just love me. I'm the king of God's love." And folks, as I go out to the day, I don't know what's coming. I don't know. I, I just had to have. I just got a call a couple of, this week. Went in for a test, and they said, "Oh, we, we never, You know, we didn't check your lungs. We got to do an X-ray of your lungs. Why? Well, that's the first place cancer heads." after stage three colon cancer. we gotta. You know what? I had that test Thursday. I don't have it back yet. So I don't know what that's going to come out like tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know what the day is going to bring for me. You don't know as you go out tomorrow. We don't know what's coming down the pipe. Listen, there are a lot of things about the Bible I still don't know. I've studied it for years. There's still things about it that I don't know. But let me tell you this, here's one thing I do know. I know God loves me. I know that. I can face every day with that. And I also know this, I know he loves you. I know he loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. Remember that song? We sing it as a childhood song, but let me tell you, it's got an adult meaning to it, doesn't it? It's one of the most powerful songs ever written. Would you help me if we sing it? Okay, it goes like this: Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. Little ones belong; they are. Sing it like you mean it. Yes. Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. You believe that in your mind? He loves you. By the way, right after, you know, once you get diagnosed with cancer, you know, you can't help it, you start thinking about, okay, I might die. And I started thinking about, you know, what do I want on my tombstone? You know what I want on my tombstone? I just want it to say, Jesus loves me, this I know. And then I want it to say in small letters, Rick Blackwood. Born 19, I'll tell you how old I am. Born <laughs> November 2nd, 1956, dash lives forever. <laughs> forever. Jesus loves me. This I know. Listen. Listen. Here's the point. As you fill your mind with God's love for you, it declutters all the fears and worries, anxiety. And as you fill your mind with God's love for you, it fills your heart with love for him. And you begin to say, God, I love you. God, I'm certainly aware of you. And I love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. You just can't help it. And then listen, here's the the simplifying truth. Then you're doing what God really wants you to do. Again, serving, worshiping, obeying, giving, that's all the symptoms of love. But what God really wants from you is just your love. He He loves you with everything he's got. He wants you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. So, here's what I want us to think about. As we head into a new year, let's do some cleaning. Let's declutter ourselves. Amen? Let's start by decluttering our heart. Like I said, if you're dealing with a habit, with a sin, make up your mind before you go on into this new year. God, today, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And with the help of God, he can help you overcome that. Amen? Resolve it. The Bible says Daniel resolved in his heart. He made up his mind that he was not going to do that sin Secondly, declutter your soul. Listen, before you, I know I say this and we laugh, but before you go out there and I-95 gets crazy, and before you turn on all those gadgets and start filling your mind with who likes you and who doesn't, you, you folks, let me tell you something, you need to get rid of that stuff. Let me just tell you, you need to stop that. I have never been on Facebook, on Twitter. I just said early on, I got enough going on up here. I'm not going to clutter my life with that. Some of you need to just unplug all of that junk, all of that clutter, and set yourself free. I wasn't supposed to, that's not on my plan. That just came out. But I think it's true. Get alone with God and let Him like you. Because He loves you, and then fill your mind with how much He loves you, and your heart will rise with love for Him, and you'll do what He wants you to do. By the way, I have to say this. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, maybe it's the first time in church in a while, you need to know God loves you too. As much as He does me, as much as He does anybody else, He loves you, and He wants to give you eternal life. You say, Rick, what do I do to receive eternal life? What do I do to receive this relationship where God loves me and I love Him? Listen, it is so simple. That's why I read that verse. I fear lest by any means that as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Listen, religion clutters the way to God. (laughs) you got to do this tradition and this formality and follow this. The Bible unclutters that and gives us this simple path to God. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone, that needs you, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will receive eternal life. It's that simple. What do you do to receive eternal life? You call out to God and ask him. So why don't you do that today? If you've never done that, in fact, let's, let's have every head bowed and every eye closed in every campus. If you're here today, do you say, Rick, I need God Why don't you call on him? In fact, let me lead you in a prayer to God. This is not a a scripted prayer. This is not a poem. So you pray this with all of your heart from God because he's listening with all of his. Just pray this prayer quietly. Heavenly Father, thank you for simplifying what you want from me. God, thank you for clarifying that what you really want is for me to love you because you love me so much. And so, God, right now, I open the door to my heart, to my soul, to my mind, and I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive all my sins, past, present, even my future sins. Wash them away with the blood of Christ. And I ask you to give me everlasting life. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me the gift of everlasting life. May I from this day forward spend the rest of my life following you, loving you, and being loved by you. In your name I pray, amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemi.org connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.